1 Corinthians 1:18 through 24. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs, and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles. But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Amen. You can be seated. Well, good morning. It's good to see you this morning. I'm going to put my friend right here, and we will get to that here in just a little bit. Last week, uh, I began the sermon by being vulnerable with you. I shared with you just the conviction that, my, that was on my heart, the that uh, my enthusiasm and anticipation of the Mavericks game was more so than my enthusiasm and anticipation uh, for, uh, for church that morning. And the Lord was speaking to me about that. And you guys have taken uh, advantage uh, of, of that vulnerability and have sent some pretty uh, humorous little notes throughout the week uh, checking on me. And, uh, and I it didn't even realize this, but leading up to Super Bowl Sunday, and I just thought many of you sent this one to me, and I'm going to show it to you. Um, and one of them, uh, one, when you sent it, you said, be warned. So I'm going to just show you this. This has popped up several times. Um, so one of you, one of you sent that and... Uh, and you said, just be warned. So I'll be watching my back during, uh, during the message this morning. We're going to talk a little bit about wisdom. And please bear with me. My uh, throat and head are all in all sorts of uh, kind of crazy places. So if I sound weird, if I bottom out my voice today, just hang in there with me. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make it through. But we're going to talk about wisdom this morning, and uh, we're not going to do a long series, though we certainly could. We could spend a lot of time talking about wisdom. We're just going to uh, just going to spend one uh, one week here. Uh, but if we're honest, as we think about wisdom, I'm just curious what you think. As I reflected on wisdom. I think it's something that I really want. Most of us would not say, uh, hey, I'm not really interested in wisdom. Most of us would say uh, that wisdom is something very interesting. It's very compelling. We would love to be wise. That would be something that I would say I would want said about me is that, uh, that I operated in some level of wisdom. But if we're honest, though we want it, it's not something that I feel like we necessarily think that we have access to. Uh, many of us think that we get it through time. Uh, that just by becoming older, we somehow incur uh, wisdom. Some, some of us think that maybe we're just born with it, that wisdom is just, you're just wise or you're not, and, um, and hopefully God has given you wisdom. Uh, and and, in, and in, in some ways, it just almost even seems magical. Like wisdom is this invisible, mystical thing that not quite sure how we get it, but some people have it and, and some people don't, but I would sure, I would sure like it. But actually, what, what Scripture says is that, is that wisdom is hiding in plain sight. Wisdom is hiding in plain sight. And, and wisdom is actually available to each one of us in this room this morning. And the key to wisdom 
um, is not finding it in some obscure place, but if it's hiding in plain sight, the the key to wisdom um, is just looking in the place where wisdom is to be found. Luckily for us, there are three books in our uh, text of Scripture. There are three books that are called wisdom literature. Uh, if, you, if you don't know what those are, it's Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, and Job. And it's interesting to read these books together. They each give a very different perspective, a very different approach as it relates to wisdom. But if you were to read all of those and then kind of step back and say, okay, What's the point here? What is going on in in Proverbs and Ecclesiastes and Job? The summary is that all of these books are about living the good life. They're all about living the good life, the kind of life that God intends, the kind of life that you and I were designed to live. And that life is, is meant to be lived in wisdom, you remember when Jesus, we, we studied the Sermon on the Mount, you remember when Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 that the way is narrow that leads to life. What Jesus is talking about is a life lived in wisdom. That narrow way, that is a way of, of wisdom. It's that good life, that narrow way that Jesus is talking about that you and I are intended to live. And so wisdom is what allows for us to see and to navigate the narrow way of the kingdom. Wisdom is essential to the believer because wisdom, I'm gonna repeat that, is what allows for us to see and to navigate the narrow way of the kingdom. How many of you are aware that there are, there are options for you this morning? You can walk in the way of the kingdom or you can walk in the way of the world. And there are varying degrees to which we can walk in the way of the world. But to walk in the way of the kingdom, to walk by the kingdom in, in faithfulness to Jesus and in obedience to the Spirit, it takes wisdom to walk in that narrow way. So let's work on wisdom a little bit this morning. First, let's, let's define it. The, the word wisdom um, in Scripture, we're going to be in the book of Proverbs, chapter 1 this morning. And the word there, the Hebrew word, is the word chokmah. You try it. Chokmah. Okay, just three of you wanted to try this morning. All right. All right. Well, you, the three of you learned. All right. The word in Hebrew means applied knowledge. So wisdom is related to knowledge, but wisdom is different than knowledge in that wisdom is taking knowledge and applying it into the world that you live in. What's fascinating is that this, that, that Hebrew word chokmah is also used of an artisan, of a craftsman. And so in the, in the Old Testament, as the tabernacle is being established and God is giving instructions to how to construct the tabernacle, Some of the most beautiful and ornate things that were going uh, to be decorative within the tabernacle is a way of showing God's creative glory. The word that was used of those who would put those things together is the word wisdom. So in wisdom, there is uh, an art, a skill that is is held. So it's the skillful and artistic application of knowledge. It's living in the way of the kingdom. There's a guy named Daniel uh, Ebert who's a a biblical studies professor and he says biblical wisdom invites people to a way of life that's in harmony with with the created order and in harmony with God's redemptive work. 
Wisdom invites us to live in harmony with the created order and God's redemptive work, living the way that we were intended to live. This is wisdom. But where does it come from? Well, the beginning of wisdom, where do we, where do we discover wisdom? Wisdom is actually first, before it is anything else, wisdom is an attribute of God. God's wisdom, God's ability to know the way that things ought to be and to live into the way things ought to be, God's wisdom is perfect and God's wisdom is infinite. Listen to the words of of Daniel in chapter two. He said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever to whom belong wisdom and insight. Listen to this description. He changes times and seasons He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. To you, O God of my fathers, I give thanks and praise for you have given me wisdom and insight and now made known, I'm sorry, and have made known to me what we asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's matter. What is Daniel saying? Daniel is saying that within the person of God is infinite wisdom, that God only does what is wise because God alone is wise. God alone knows what is right and good and perfect, and there is never a moment where God is not acting in wisdom. And so Daniel prays to and rejoices in the reality that whatever God does, whether he changes times or seasons or kings, it is all done in perfect wisdom. In speaking of creation, the psalmist in Psalm 104, verse 24, he speaks of creation and then says, in wisdom, you created them all. The reality is that God always acts in wisdom because God alone is wise. But did you know that there's actually a battle for wisdom? That we've said it here in Psalm 104 and in Daniel chapter two that God alone is wise. But actually, I don't know if you are aware of this, but in Genesis chapter three, a war was waged and that war was for wisdom. The war was based on this question, who is it that is truly wise? And you and I live in the context of that battle even today. The question remains for you and I, who is it that is truly wise? In Genesis chapter three, there was a wisdom showdown And those that were created, Adam and Eve, responded to a creature, the serpent, this epitome of evil, and decided that their wisdom, their ability to know what is right and good, their ability to know the way, that their wisdom would be greater than God's wisdom. And so they chose, in that moment in Genesis chapter 3, they chose to live according to what they saw as right and good, and they moved forward based on their wisdom, thereby declaring the boundaries that God had set, the harmonious relationship that God had given them with creation and with himself. You know that if you go behind Genesis chapter 3 in Genesis 1 and 2, what you're going to find is that which is very good, 
when God created and designed all of creation, he called it very good because it was made in wisdom. And because it was made in wisdom, the wisdom of God, it was harmonious with one another and harmonious with God. Do you see it? That's our definition of wisdom, what allows us to live in harmony with the created order and with God's redemptive work. And that wisdom allowed for Adam and Eve to live in the context of harmony with God and creation. But when they took of the fruit and they said that our good and our determination of what is good based on our knowledge is better than what God has said, the battle for wisdom was set up right there. Do you see? And they said, we will, thank you very much, we will do what we want to do. We will eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, even though God, in your wisdom, you said it is not for us. We will eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thereby saying, God, you are not wise, we are wise, we know what is to be done. How many of you feel the tension of that battle inside of each one of us every single day? The battle continues to rage, who is wise? And from Genesis chapter three all the way to you and me, creatures have said to God, we are wise in our own sight, thank you very much. We have rejected the wisdom of God, the wisdom of God that says this is what is right and good and true and pure and holy. And we have said we will do what is right in our own eyes. That's what Paul says in Romans chapter 1. Listen to these words in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Paul says, for the word of the cross, we read this at the beginning of the service, is folly to those who are perishing. The word folly means foolishness. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and the discernment of the discerning I will thwart. Whose wisdom and discernment is being being thwarted? Whose, Whose wisdom is being destroyed? The wisdom of man. That wisdom of man that in Genesis chapter three said is greater than the wisdom of God. And actually here what Paul is saying is what God is doing is in his action, in what is truly wise, he is tearing down what creatures have in their rebellion have called wise themselves. Verse 20, the question is asked, where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in wisdom, in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and folly to Gentiles, but to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. God's supreme wisdom. What Paul is saying here is that the wisdom of God, what is really true, what is really right and good and pure and holy is ultimately made manifest and known in the person and the work of Jesus. But it's in the person of work of Jesus where the, the wisdom of God is made known that will be in the eyes of man who have called themselves wise. It will look as foolishness. But notice what he says in verse 21. For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. In the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom. What does that mean? It means that God did not set it up for you and I to know him, to have life and to know the way by living on our own wisdom. 
In the wisdom of God, in the design of God, in God's perfect wisdom, God intended for you and I not to have relationship with him and have life through our own wisdom. He knew that our own wisdom as a means of life was always going to end up short. God never designed for us in our own wisdom to find our way in this world, to find our way to what is really life-giving, to find our way to real human fulfillment, to find our way to him. God knew our wisdom would come up short. And so in wisdom, he designed for us to not in our own wisdom find him. Do you see it? Am I talking in circles? Are you keeping up? But God in his wisdom designed for us to have life and relationship with him in Jesus. Which Jesus and the idea of life through a crucified Messiah, that whole idea, the whole claim that God has come to rescue us by becoming like us, taking on what is ours, being crucified for our sin, being raised from the dead, that whole idea, that whole concept, which is actually the way that God intends. Christ was slain before the foundations of the world. It was always set up like that, and it was always set up like that in God's wisdom. But when we look at that story through our own wisdom, what does Paul say it looks like? Foolishness. You see? And so if we rely on our own wisdom, then the things of God, the way of God, that narrow way will always seem foolish. But we see in the person, when we see in the person and work of Jesus, the wisdom of God, it will draw us to life. The reality is, according to Proverbs chapter one, and we're gonna get there here, I know you're thinking, wait a minute, the sermon's on Proverbs chapter one, we're a good 10 minutes in, we've yet to reach Proverbs chapter one, here we are, Proverbs chapter one. The reality is, here's what scripture says, that wisdom is actually crying out for us. That wisdom is not hidden or discreet. That wisdom is actually saying, here I am. And the reason that we're missing it is what Paul just explained, not because it's not obvious, but because we are looking in the wrong place. When we look for wisdom through our eyes of what we believe is wise, we will not discover it at all because it will look like foolishness. But wisdom is to be found, and wisdom is available where? Let's read. Chapter 1, we'll begin in verse 1. This is the book of Proverbs. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Now, he's going to tell us here in verse 2 through 6 what this whole thing's about. Why are we talking about wisdom? And this is, that we, we've already said this. I'm going to read through this quickly. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and equity, to give prudence to the simple, knowledge and discretion to the youth. So stop there. Do you want, to, do you want any of those things? <laughs> do you want to re- receive instruction in wise dealing? Do you want to give prudence or re- receive prudence to the simple? Do we want to have knowledge and discretion uh, for the youth? Do we want to receive instruction in wise dealing in righteousness, justice, and mercy? Right? That's, this is what's he describing, the narrow way. The way of the kingdom, living in that narrow way of the kingdom, to live in righteousness and justice and in equity, to have wisdom. He says in verse 5, let the wise hear 
and increase in learning. And the one who understands obtain guidance to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles. Okay, so that's what this whole thing is about. That's the introduction to the book of Proverbs. It's an invitation to the wisdom that God freely gives. Now look at verse 7. This is the beginning. Verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of, what, of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. So the beginning of this journey into wisdom is found in one place. It says wisdom and instruction and knowledge. And the beginning of that journey is found where? In the what? The fear of the Lord. The beginning. It's an invitation. One through six are an invitation. Do you want to live this way? Do you want to live the way of the kingdom? Do you want to live in the narrow way? Do you want to live as someone that is wise? Okay, then the beginning of that journey is what? The fear of the Lord. Wisdom comes as a result of the fear of the Lord. I love the way that Tim Mackey, he's the founder of Bible Project, this is what he said. He said, wisdom is an attribute of God himself, and so it must begin with a respect of God's definition of good and evil, learning those boundary lines and not crossing them. What is the fear of the Lord? The beginning of, of, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, and what is it? Wisdom is, is surrender. It's surrender of what is wise and good in my own eyes. To fear the Lord means to respect what it is that God says is right and good. It is an acknowledgement of God's holiness and God's righteousness, of God's perfection, of God's justice and his mercy. It is to acknowledge that he alone is God. And if he is God, then what he says are my boundaries, are my boundaries, and those are for my good. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord recognizes that boundaries that God gives us, what God says is right and good, and what God says is not right and not good and what is evil, that those boundaries and definitions are true because God is holy. You see. But see, we don't like that at all. And our culture is not new. We're not doing new things. We're rehearsing the same lie from Genesis chapter 3. But what does our culture say? What do we hear all the time? Do we hear that boundaries are good? No. No, we hear you should do what makes you feel good. You should do what is right in your eyes. And as you do what is right in your eyes, as long as you get along with one another and cause the least amount of harm and the greatest amount of good, then that is what is good. That's not how scripture, that's not how the Lord defines what is right and good. That is not the fear of the Lord. That is our wisdom in full operation. That is the same wisdom that Adam and Eve exercised in the garden when they said, we will take from the knowledge of the tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and we will eat. We will do what is right in our own eyes that we might be God and determine the way rather than the fear of the Lord submitting to the one who is holy and allowing him to determine the way. So wisdom cannot be accessed without surrender. Wisdom is not attainable absent the fear of the Lord. If we are not willing to say, God, you are the one that determines what is right and good for my life, if we are not willing to come to that place, we will not walk in wisdom. Because that very statement 
is the beginning of wisdom. And how many of you know if you don't begin, you cannot continue? (laughs) So if we're even going to begin to have what God intends for us to have, which is wisdom, it is not that wisdom is unavailable. It is that it is only accessible in the fear of the Lord. And most of us don't have a lack of wisdom because we can't seem to find it. Most of us lack wisdom because we don't begin in the fear of the Lord. You with me? Our struggle with wisdom is not that we don't have enough good mentors. Our struggle with wisdom is that we have yet to say, you are Lord, and what you say is good. And if you tell me to abstain from this or that, then I will abstain because it is for my good. If you tell me to walk into this or that, then I will walk into this or that because it is good. Your boundaries for me are good. If we don't begin there, we will never be wise. We will live a shallow, shallow existence in God's kingdom. I love the way that A.W. Tozer says it. He says things really pretty, really, really pretty. In his book, Knowledge of the Holy, here's, here's what he says. Most of us go through life praying a little, planning a little, jockeying for position, hoping but never being quite certain of anything and always secretly afraid that we will miss the way. Does that sound like anybody? This is a tragic waste of truth and never gives rest to the heart. There's a better way. It's to repudiate. That means to not like very much. It's to repudiate our own wisdom and take instead the infinite wisdom of God. Our insistence upon seeing ahead is natural enough, but it's a real hindrance to our spiritual progress. It's God that's charged himself with full responsibility for our eternal happiness and stands ready to take over the management of our lives the moment we turn in faith to him. Here is his promise from Isaiah 42, 16, and I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. These things will I do unto them and not forsake them. He says we have to repudiate our own wisdom. This is the fear of the Lord. To take instead the infinite wisdom of God. Now let's say I do that. Let's say that this morning I've had a change of heart and I go, you know what? I'm gonna begin in the fear of the Lord. This is the beginning of wisdom. I'm gonna fear the Lord. I'm gonna acknowledge that his way is right and good and true. If that's where wisdom begins, then how does it grow? How does it grow? Look at Proverbs chapter one again. This is profoundly simple. Wisdom cries aloud. This is verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. Sorry, y'all, I'm gonna stop for a second. Try this again, verse 20. Wisdom cries aloud in the street. In the markets, she raises her voice. At the head of the noisy streets, she cries out. At the entrance of the city gate, she speaks. So how hidden is wisdom? That's not very hidden, is it? Have you ever played hide and seek and cried aloud? Gotten out in the open and said, here I am. You're not playing the game well, right? 
I love that. When we, we used to play hide and seek with our kids when they were little, they'd, get, they'd go hide and then they would actually get nervous in their hiding spot because they were alone and maybe it was dark or whatever and they were in their spot. And their nervousness, would they just get so nervous and excited that they'd step out into the open and go, ah, here, you know, they'd make a noise, you know. They, they, wanted, to, they wanted to be found. What's the point? Wisdom, does wisdom look like she doesn't want to be found here? No. Wisdom is saying, I'm, I'm shouting at you. I'm yelling, I'm right here, right in the middle of everything. I'm right, at the, I'm right at the intersection of North and South Street and Main. Like, I'm just at the main spot. And this is what she says. How long, oh simple ones, will you love being simple? How long will scoffers delight in their scoffing and fools hate knowledge? If you turn at my reproof, behold, I'll pour out my spirit to you. I will make my words known to you. Because I've called and you refuse to listen, I've stretched out my hand and no one is heeded because you have ignored all my counsel and would have none of my reproof. I also will laugh at your calamity. I will mock when terror strikes you, when terror strikes you like a storm and your calamity comes like a whirlwind, when distress and anguish come upon you, then, then they will call on me, but I will not answer. Then they will seek me diligently, but will not find me because they hated knowledge and did not choose, here it is again, did not choose what? The fear of the Lord. They would have none of my counsel and they despised all my reproof. Therefore, they'll eat the fruit of their way and have their fill of their own devices. For the simple are killed by their turning away. And the complacency of fools destroys them. Look at verse 33. But whoever, what's the word? Whoever listens. Whoever listens to me will dwell secure and will be at ease without the fear, without the dread of disaster. I wanna just highlight to you a couple things in that statement. Look first at verse 23. If you will turn at my reproof, I'll pour out my spirit to you. What are we asked to do? Turn. When wisdom calls, turn. If you'll turn, I'll pour out my spirit to you. 24 says, you refuse to listen. What's the opposite of refusing to listen? Can you say listen? <laughs> listen. You've ignored all of my counsel. Verse 30 says you'd have none of my counsel and you despised my reproof. So what is, what is she saying here? Wisdom is not complex. Wisdom is not hard to access and, and difficult to find. And you got to go all through these different hoops to jump through in order to, to make accessible wisdom. It's not complicated. She says, the reason that you have not had the wisdom that I want to give is simply that you would not listen. That you were content in your simplicity, persisting in your own way, refusing the fear of the Lord. If you would have just began in the fear of the Lord, if you would have just listened, if you would have just valued what I had to say, then you would be wise. 
That's it. Verse 33. Whoever listens to me. Whoever listens. Do you want to be wise? Do you want to have a good word to say to bring wise counsel? Do you want to be a faithful friend? Do you want to be a good husband, a good father? Do you want to discern between the ways of the world and the way of the kingdom? Do you want to receive instruction so that you can deal in righteousness and justice and equity? Do you want to be wise? Hopefully our answer in this house this morning is yes. Because living that way, all of that life is rooted in wisdom. And in order for us to be wise, there's two steps, two simple but profound steps. The one is begin in the fear of the Lord. And the second is listen to wisdom. Stop long enough in your day to give attention to what is wisdom. We just have to turn aside And listen, we have to set our hearts and our minds towards the things of God. We have to listen attentively to the Holy Spirit. We have to study and wrestle with Scripture. Most of us want wisdom, but then we want our wisdom journey is that we just try really hard to be better at this or that. We feel the pain of lacking wisdom. You ever felt that pain before? I'm familiar with that pain. When you, when you act into a situation and then you step back from it and you go, oh, I just really, I really messed that up. <laughs> I wish I would have seen it better. I wish I would have seen it different. I wish I would have, right? What are we saying when we do that? What are we saying? I wish I would have been wiser there. I wish I would have had the right words to say. I wish I would have been calmer. I wish What we're saying is, I wish I would have known the way. I wish I would have known the direction. I wish I would have had wisdom. Most of us want wisdom. But when we feel the pain of not living in wisdom, what we do is we just try to be better in whatever situation we need to improve on. I'm just gonna try harder next time I talk to my wife. I'm just gonna be a little bit kinder. I'm just gonna be a little bit more patient. I'm just gonna try harder. We try hard to gain wisdom, but wisdom is not found by effort. Wisdom is found first in surrender. Wisdom is found first in surrender, the fear of the Lord. The knowledge that there is nothing that I could bring into this situation that would be right and good and true apart from him. There is no way that I can parent. There is no way that I can be a husband. There is no way that I can give counsel to a friend. There is no way that I can fill in the blank. There is no wisdom that I can bring. I myself do not have the necessary tools to bring into this situation what is needed. And so I must begin by what does Tozer say? Repudiating my own wisdom. Whatever it is that I think that I want to do in this situation, I'm gonna lay that down and I'm gonna begin in surrender. I'm going to begin by saying, God, though I want to act in a certain way here, I'm acknowledging that only you know what is good in this moment. Only you know what is good. What am I saying? Only you are wise. And then I'm going to turn aside and I'm going to listen.
Wisdom is available. I never tell you my sermon titles, but they're always in my notes if you ever want to know. But this one is the banquet feast of wisdom. Doesn't that just sound great? There is a plethora of wisdom for God's people. But just because wisdom is available does not mean that it's easy. Surrender and learning are not easy things, but they are good things. And for us to operate in wisdom in the life that God has called us to live, we have to do the hard work of surrender, of saying no to myself and yes to the lordship of Jesus. And we also have to learn what is right and good and true and pure and holy. It's gonna take time. So I wanna, first of all, I'm gonna miss, I can't, I can't not talk about my friend. I missed it in my notes, kids. I'm sorry. I got so excited I missed the, our friends. Kids, in your bag, this is, this is, this is Becky Weems uh, at a 10 out of 10, okay? There is no better picture of surrender than I've ever seen. What is surrender? Jesus uses the word in John chapter 5. What's the word that he uses? Starts with an A, ends with bide. You got it? Abide. All right, this is surrender. This is it. You ready? There it is. That's surrender. To give up. All right, you see it? You ready? That's surrender. You with me, kids? All right, that's what I'm talking about. Surrender. All right? The way to live in the kingdom is to abide, the way to live in the kingdom is to surrender. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He knows what is right and good and true. Would you stand with me? I wanna take us to a time of invitation. There's two things that are probably, for me, two things as I studied and prepared that that the Lord was challenging me in my heart and the first was, was that very concept of surrender. It's amazing to me, amazing to me that I would tell you straight to your face that there is no way that I could have purchased the life that God has given me. There's no way that I could have acted the right or good. There's no way that I could have given myself life, forgiven my sin. The only way that I'm alive is because of Jesus. I would tell you that with a straight face. I believe that with all my heart. But it's amazing to me that I would say that, that the only way that I've had life and forgiveness of sin is because of Jesus. And then yet I turn and try to live that life in my own wisdom. So I start by saying there's nothing I could do. And then I turn from that, there's nothing I can do and immediately begin to act in my own power. We are saved when we recognize that the only one that could rescue me is Jesus. The only one that could pull me out of this pit of sin and destruction is Jesus. And he gave his very life, shed his very blood that I might be alive. And the only way that I live is by receiving from him, by his grace and mercy, the life that he has purchased for me. That's how, that's how it all starts. But I just want to tell you that it doesn't stop there. 
that we then live that life in the kingdom by saying the very same thing, that there is no way that, God, that I could live the life that you have called me to live. There is no way that the fruit of the Spirit could be, could be born in me absent you. We begin with surrender. We should walk in surrender. So maybe this morning, I don't know where you're at, but maybe this morning there needs to be a beginning of surrender. Maybe you're persisting in your own wisdom. And God's saying, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. I have what is good for you. Would you turn aside and listen? Maybe this morning to you, surrender is the topic God wants to talk to you about. But maybe there's the rest of us in this room or some of us in this room, we, we've begun in surrender, but we've refused to just turn aside and listen. We think that living the way that God has called us to live means pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and try really, really, really hard. And we've refused to listen to wisdom that says, just turn aside and listen to me. If you would just listen, if you would just seek me out, if you would just spend some time with me, then I would pour out my spirit on you. Maybe some of us this morning need to realize that we need to be taught. We don't have it all together that we need to be taught the words of life. Where is that time and space for you that you routinely listen? Where in your day do you quiet yourselves before God? Where do you listen to the Spirit? Where do you open the Scriptures? Where do you get still? We just sang about it. Where do we get still and acknowledge that He is God? Have we made space for God by the power of His Spirit to reveal to us what is wise? If we haven't, then I would say we're not listening. We're not being taught. Stop. Set aside some time. Get quiet and still before God. Let him teach you. Wherever you're at with the Lord this morning, I just would encourage you to be obedient to the Holy Spirit. If you need to remain in your place standing and pray or just sing, that's fine. If you need to sit down or if you need to move forward and come to these steps, that's perfectly fine. I want you to know that there are people that are out both of these double doors that would love to pray with you. If you just need to pray with somebody and the Lord is stirring your heart to just say out loud, hey, I need prayer in this area, please make your way outside those double doors and someone would be happy to pray with you. Listen, if you're in the room this morning and you just need to pray with somebody else in the room, this needs to be a time where we feel the freedom, where God's people feel the freedom to move around and to minister to one another. If you need to go and speak a word of encouragement to a brother or sister, if you need to go and ask for prayer or give prayer, this is a time and a space that is open for you to do that. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would lead us and guide us in this moment. We pray that you would help us to minister to one another. God, we ask that you would give us wisdom. In Jesus' name, amen.